Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. What is going on, all you sports fans? Welcome to yet another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, episode 399. Just think, tomorrow will be 400. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key, and we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, and Backwoods Barbecue. We've got a great show for you today. I hope that everybody had a great Father's Day weekend and happy Juneteenth. Father's Day for me was just a wonderful time spending time with the family. Called the Lions game on Friday night and then we all went to the Chattahoots on Saturday. But we do have a great show for you. Major upsets in the College World Series. Going to talk about that. I'm going to preview the Atlanta Braves and the San Francisco Giants four game series. And the Lions get a big win on the edge of your seat finish. What a fantastic finish by the Columbus Lions, who are now in second place in the NAL. Before we get the show started, I got a busy week. I know I said I was going to go back to three days a week, but sometimes your show is in demand. Tomorrow on the show, I'm going to have co-owner of the Georgia Vipers and the Lady Venom Angela Daniels Culliver. I'm really excited to have her on the show to talk about this new semi-professional basketball team that has a men and a women's team, kind of like the Columbus Rapids. And then on Wednesday, I've got a special treat for you as he is a legend in Columbus, member of the 1980 Georgia National Championship team, played in the NFL for three seasons, Sports Visions owned DJ Jones. I cannot wait to have him on and just talk sports. He's really been a pillar in this community, not just for sports, but just for anything, social events in this city. He's just everywhere promoting, and that's just what he does. And and he's really a good guy, and I'm really just glad I'm able to get him on the show. And then, hopefully, I'll have Gabe Reynolds on the show. We can recap the NBA draft. So it's a busy week. We've got the NBA draft on Thursday. We got a winner of the U.S. Open as Matt Fitzpatrick holds on and uses some Fitz magic for winning his first ever U.S. Open. He holds off Will Zlatoris and Scotty Scheffler. I watched a little bit of the College World Series over the weekend. On Friday, we had some upsets. Notre Dame beating Texas, Oklahoma beating Texas A&M. But on Saturday, the biggest shocker was Stanford losing to Arkansas 17-2. And now they are in the elimination bracket. Auburn loses to SEC rival Ole Miss. And then Texas is already out of this tournament. So Texas A&M will be in the elimination game. So Oklahoma, they beat Notre Dame last night. And they go into the winner's bracket. They don't have to play for a while. They could set up their pitching rotation. 
I called it before this College World Series even started. I said that Oklahoma was going to have a clean sweep. There is a chance that they can win the College World Series for baseball, and they won the College World Series for women's softball. So that is still on the table, especially with Oklahoma going all the way into the winner's bracket. They don't even play until after Tuesday. So here's what it looks like in the College World Series today. We have an afternoon game between the Auburn Tigers and the Stanford Cardinal in Omaha. Stanford was the second best team in the country going into this College World Series. And then we have an SEC showdown in the winner's bracket, Ole Miss and Arkansas, later tonight. So tomorrow we have an elimination game, Texas A&M and Notre Dame. The College World Series has always been one of my favorite events. I love just the pageantry and the aluminum bats. And really, the talent level is just pure. I just love it. So over the weekend, I had the privilege of calling another Lions game. This was the second home game on a back-to-back week. It was a Friday night. It was just a great atmosphere as the Jacksonville Sharks came into town. And the Columbus Lions get the job done, beating their longtime rival and winning the season series 2-1 to one over the Jacksonville Sharks. And Columbus is now 4-3 and three on the season. And after Albany loses to Carolina on Saturday, Albany is 4-4. Four and four. Columbus is now in second place. So the idea of them hosting a playoff game at the Columbus Civic Center is still on the table. And that just means that Jared and myself can call an extra game. We are excited about the Columbus Lions and what they have done, a two-game winning streak. Daniel Smith is 2-0 as a starter, but really the story has been the defense. Darrell Green was the hero Friday night, getting a pick six. It looked like Jacksonville was about to score. There's about a minute left to go. Jared and I up in the broadcast booth were, I didn't think there was going to be enough time on the clock. The Lions getting that big pick six by Darrell Green pretty much put the nail in the coffin. But Columbus did some great things in this game. First of all, they came out the gate. Blake Erickson getting the deuce to go up 2-0. And then big Ken Washington with the strip fumble. And Jarmon Fortson with the touchdown run. Columbus was up 9-0. Now Columbus had a miscue as well as Fortson fumbled the ball and Jacksonville cut the lead to 9-6. Darren Townsend. Let me tell you about Darren Townsend. He is starting to become a huge playmaker for the Columbus Lions. You never want to kick it to Darren Townsend. He takes it to the house for a touchdown, for a kickoff return touchdown. And Columbus had a double-digit lead for a while. Jacksonville gets the ball back, and it looked like down 16-12 to that Jacksonville was going to put some points on the board because Columbus got the ball to start the second half. Jacksonville failed to score at the end of the first half because they had no timeouts left. They tried to spike the ball. The time ran out. Poor clock management. Columbus was able to get two touchdowns on their first possessions of the second half, but Jacksonville matched them score for score. They were right there. Then Jacksonville did exactly what they needed to do. They got a defensive stop to get the ball back to take the lead. And they did take the lead 33 to 30. And then Columbus came back and they took a lead 36 to 33. And then all the pressure was on Jacksonville. And I admit, I was nervous. I thought that Jacksonville, as they were marching down the field, 
with about a minute left to go, I thought that Jacksonville was going to score a touchdown, and I wasn't quite sure if the Columbus Lions would have enough time on the clock to counter and get a touchdown to win the game. I've said on the broadcast that whoever had the ball last was going to win the game, but Darrell Green saves it, and now the Columbus Lions 4-3 and three on the season. It's been a very crazy Week 9 in the National Arena League. San Antonio ends up beating Orlando when they give four seconds left on the clock. Robert Kent takes it in, and San Antonio wins that game by one. San Antonio has won two straight. Remember that Columbus takes on San Antonio their next home game on July the 8th. And it is going to be Lions Legends Night as we will find out who will be in the ring of honor. Maybe Mason Espinoza? Who knows? But it's going to be a great atmosphere for the Columbus Lions. And I cannot wait for that. They do have a road trip that they got to take on Albany for a rare Sunday afternoon game. And then they will travel to Carolina to take on the Cobras. Which right now, they're 7-2. and two. They're in first place. But the Lions at 4-3. and three, are only two games back of the first place Carolina Cobras. It started to get exciting in the Fountain City for Columbus Lions football, and we are at the halfway point. Still plenty of football to go. Well, the Columbus Chattahoots had a big night Friday night. They put up seven runs on the board. I happened to watch the game on my phone. I noticed they were still in the fifth inning. So like any good announcer would do after the Columbus Lions game was over, I took a stroll down to historic Golden Park, talked to some of the players, talked to the coach, lived a lifelong dream as one of the workers allowed me to go up into the booth for the final inning and hear Zach DeBozart call the final inning of the game. Did an amazing job and... Oh, they were so lucky because they were all up in the AC in the press box because it was hot. Even though it was at nighttime Friday night, it was still hot. But the Chattahoots were able to beat the Waleska Wild Things 7-3 in game one on Friday night. I just enjoyed going down on the field and talking to the players and I might even have some Columbus Chattahoots on the podcast. As I've talked to several of the players, I might try to spread them out throughout the season. And then my family and I went to Game 2 Saturday night. It didn't turn out so well for the Columbus Chattahoots. They lose to Waleska 13-3. They had six errors. It just wasn't their night. It was just a very weird night. It was in front of a packed house. That was the largest attendance I've ever seen at a Columbus Chattahoots game. They're going to regroup, and they get ready to take on the Atlanta Blues at Georgia State University today. So if you're up in the Atlanta area, that'd be a good time to go see the Chattahoots. So taking a look at your standings in the Sunbelt Baseball League, over in the Central Division, the Atlanta Crackers have a 7-4 record, followed by the Brookhaven Bucks at 5-4, and, and the Atlanta Blues, the next opponent for the Columbus Chattahoots, 5-7. Over in the East Division, the Gainesville Gold Diggers, 8-3 record, followed by the Waleska Wild Things with a 6-2 and two record, and surprisingly, the defending Sunbelt Baseball champions, the Alpharetta Aviators, struggling out the gate with a 3-8 and eight record. Over in the West Division, the Columbus Chattahoots are 5-5 five and five in first place. They are game up on the Gwinnett Astros. Gwinnett is 3-5, and five. the Chakalaka Monsters is 3-7. and seven. 
So all Columbus has got to do to make the playoffs is win the division. And with the three divisions this year, it's going to be very interesting. So Columbus will next play at home. It's going to be flashback Wednesday as the tickets are going to be low and affordable. They're going to take on the Atlanta Blues for a rare Wednesday night game at Historic Golden Park. They have a rare Friday home game against the Chocolaka Monsters, and then they will travel to Oxford to take on Chocolaka on Saturday. Their next two-game homestand for the weekend is going to be 4th of July weekend against the Brookhaven Bucks on July the 1st and the 2nd. And then their next two-game stretch is going to be 4th of July weekend against the Brookhaven Bucks. I was talking to one of the workers at Golden Park. One of those days is going to be Braves Day, and Blooper might make an appearance. Speaking of the Atlanta Braves, unfortunately the Chicago Cubs broke their 14-game winning streak. That was actually a great pitcher's duel for the Atlanta Braves the Braves were only able to get one out of three against the Chicago Cubs. And looking at your Major League Baseball standings, the Braves are now five and a half games behind the New York Mets with a 38-29 and 29 record. And don't look now because they are getting ready for that showdown with the San Francisco Giants for a four-game series starting tonight. And I cannot wait for this pitching matchup tonight. Max Freed going up against Logan Webb. You got two aces going up against each other. The Giants have a very good record as well, 37-28. and 28. Uh, They did lose to the Pirates on Saturday. They did lose to the Pirates on Sunday, but they are just three back of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it is going to be a homecoming for Jock Peterson as he is going to return to Truett's Park. I expect the fans in Atlanta to cheer for him. And then the Braves will actually get ready to take on the Dodgers for a three-game series this weekend, and that will be the return of Freddie Freeman. I'm wondering what ovation Freddie is going to get returning to the city of Atlanta where he has played many years, including winning the Atlanta Braves a World Series ring. Now, Let's talk about this Giants-Braves series because, as many of you know, I've said it many times on this show, I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area. I am a San Francisco Giants fan. My dad took me to Candlestick Park in 1989 when I was 10 years old, and the Giants have forever been my team. I was a huge fan of the Pacific Stock Exchange with Will Clark and Kevin Mitchell. I even had a t-shirt that had a picture of Will Clark and Kevin Mitchell The Oakland Athletics had the Bash Brothers. And then Will Clark and Kevin Mitchell were the next best thing. And so I had a lot of Giants gear. I went to many games. I remember my first Giants-Braves game was in 1992. The Atlanta Braves came to Candlestick Park. This was when the Braves just went to the World Series in 1991. And the Tomahawk Chop was very famous. The Braves were considered America's team in the early 90s because they were on TBS. And there were more Braves fans at that game than Giants fans, and they were doing the tomahawk chop. Now, there's no love loss between the Giants and Braves. It's a house divided. My wife's a Braves fan. I'm a Giants fan. We have gone to many Giants and Braves games, including at AT AT&T Park back in 2012. 
it's always great when these two teams play each other because I have ties to both teams. And so we're going to be in for an exciting four-game series, including a business special on Thursday afternoon at Truett's Park. And I really can't wait because I always enjoy seeing the Giants taking on the Braves. Now, they didn't play each other in 2020 because of the pandemic. Uh, I went to a Giants-Braves game last season. It was a Sunday afternoon game at noon. I know I took my kids, and I know they were miserable because it was like the weather was, you know, it was hotter last year than it was this year, but that was in August. So, yeah, the Giants coming to town. It's going to be great. Well, I got to say congratulations to Atlanta United getting back into the win column, beating Inter-Miami 2-0. Welcome back, Joseph Martinez scored a goal in the 61st minute. And looking at the table in Major League Soccer, Atlanta United's got 19 points. They are a point behind the last and final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. It seems like Atlanta United has had a very long break, but they will take on Toronto FC on June the 25th. That will be a road game. A little tidbit worth knowing that this is a rematch of the 2019 Eastern Conference Final. There you go. I just have some random stuff that I'm throwing in at my podcast. Stanley Cup Finals Game 3 tonight. It's going back to Tampa Bay, but Colorado has a commanding 2-0 series lead after destroying the Tampa Bay Lightning 7-0 in Game 2 over the weekend. Tampa Bay's been here before. They've been down 2-0 in series before. They were down 2-0 against the New York Rangers. The two-time defending Stanley Cup champions are going to have to win these games on home ice if they want to have a chance to come back into the series and win their third straight Stanley Cup. And when can you call a team a dynasty? Is it after two or is it going to be after three? Because for the Golden State Warriors, the dynasty is back. I know we're getting ready for the NBA draft. I'll have my preview of what I think the top 10 picks are going to be in the NBA draft. I'll have that shortly. But the Golden State Warriors, it's time to celebrate. They got a parade in San Francisco later this afternoon. And the Warriors are the odds-on favorite to win the NBA title next season. It looks like they're going to run it back because Andrew Wiggins wants to stay with Golden State. He's going to get a big contract. But what does that mean for their role players? Gary Payton, Kayvon Looney. Are they going to allow Jonathan Kuminga and and Moses Moody to play more minutes? Because they are the future of this team. But the dynasty is back. It's been back. Winning another title without KD. Winning it with their core players. And I've witnessed every single one. As a Golden State Warriors fan, I was super excited when they won the title in 15. When they got Kevin Durant in 16 and they went on to win titles in 17 and 18, I was less excited. Felt like it was not fair, but like having a superstar over to your team. Kevin Durant was the reason why they were able to beat LeBron. Because LeBron was at full strength in 17 when he had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. There was excuses made in 15 because Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving went out and LeBron was doing it all by himself. And that series even went to six games. In 2017, it was Kevin Durant and he was the 
He was the NBA Finals MVP, and he was able to get those two titles with Golden State. So he is the reason why the Warriors won two more titles. But the Warriors are a very well-run organization, and Kevin Durant was not the reason why they're able to sustain winning. They did fall off just a little bit in 2020, had the worst record in the NBA, but they're able to come back once they got everybody healthy, once Klay Thompson came back from that injury, because you got to remember that was a devastating injury. 2019 was a disaster. The Warriors were expected to win that title against the Toronto Raptors, but KD went out, Klay Thompson went out. It was just a disaster. And the Warriors were able to sustain coming back and winning another title. And I think that they're going to compete once again for a title. Although the Lakers think that with a healthy Anthony Davis and with that new coach, Darvin Ham, they think that they can actually compete for a title. Here's the thing about the Los Angeles Lakers. They don't have any depth on their bench. Even with their big three, LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook, I think if all three of them are healthy, they could make the playoffs. But they're not a championship team. Championship teams are won because you have role players. Those LeBron teams that won titles in 13 and 14, they didn't win because of the big three. They won because of their role players like Shane Battier, Mike Miller, Ray Allen, Norris Cole, Mario Chalmers. You get a veteran defensive stopper like Shane Battier that takes less money. He takes the league minimum to go play with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh to help them win a title. And that is why the Miami Heat were able to win those two titles. One of those titles, if it wasn't for a Ray Allen three, the Heat would have only got one title out of that. It is hard to win in this league. All right, I do want to say a big shout-out to Sue Bird. Uh, I don't really talk much about the WNBA on the show, but this is going to be her final year. Uh, Sue Bird is my age. You know, Coming up in college, one of the greatest college basketball players ever. Uh, played at UConn, Olympian. Considered one of the greatest point guards in WNBA history, which, best of luck to her, You know, led the Seattle Storm to two titles, just an overall leader on the floor. And it made me wonder, who is the greatest women's basketball player of all time? And it's a lengthy list. You could go all the way back into the back in the day. Cheryl Miller, Reggie's sister. You got Lisa Leslie. She was tall and dominant. Candace Parker, Rebecca Lobo, Teresa Edwards, Cheryl Swoops, Cynthia Cooper. I mean, Cynthia Cooper's got the rings. You know, when the WNBA first came out, the Houston Comets won four titles. They were just out the gate. Cynthia Cooper and Cheryl Swoops, they were dominant. Sue Bird, she has been just this great icon, a great player that is just the ultimate floor general and was continuing to rack up assists and playing at a high level. And I was a fan of her when she first came on the scene in the WNBA because she was a very marketable WNBA player. USA Softball, we got some exhibition games coming up July the 4th. I know that as I get ready to talk about sports, 
I'm excited about July 4th because I could talk about the Atlanta Peachtree Road Race. I could talk about the hot dog eating contest. I could also talk about exhibition games at the Common Softball Complex as the USA softball team will have a doubleheader. They will take on Australia and Japan in the nightcap. Remember, Australia was the team that beat the United States at the 1996 Olympics with that big upset off Lisa Fernandez as she gave up that home run. The USFL, we got the playoffs next week in Canton, Ohio, and then there were four teams. Birmingham at 9-1. and one. They will take on the New Orleans Breakers, and you got the New Jersey Generals, 9-1. and one. They will take on the Philadelphia Stars. The leading quarterback was Jordan Tamu from the Tampa Bay Bandits, and it's really a good showcase because I think these players are going to get an invite on an NFL roster for preseason. Darius Victor led all running backs with rushing yards. Darius Victor playing for the New Jersey Generals. I watched USFL on the USA Network over the weekend. You had the two worst teams, the Michigan Panthers taking on the Pittsburgh Maulers. And it was nice to see Paxton Lynch, who actually played very well for the Michigan Panthers, led by legendary head coach Jeff Fisher. The Pittsburgh Maulers will get the number one overall pick in next year's USFL draft. So we got the playoffs coming up in Canton, Ohio, the championship game for the USFL. Finally, we can make it through a season and get a championship game. It'll be the first time that we will have a championship game in spring football since the million-dollar game by the XFL in 2001. Because remember, the XFL canceled because of COVID in 2020. The Alliance of American Football could not make it through their 2019 season. So I'm excited that there's finally going to be a championship game. It's going to be on July the 3rd in Canton, Ohio. More than likely, I'm guessing it is going to be Birmingham and New Jersey, but anything can happen. You can have upsets in the USFL. They've all been fun games. I I actually enjoy watching the USFL because it is competitive football. I just worry about the heat. I see them on the sidelines, and I'm thinking, oh, the heat is like in the upper 90s. How, How are they surviving? But they are. They got good training staff, and they're able to get through a football game in this sweltering heat. Great news if you're a Columbus River Dragons fan. The goalkeeper that stood on his head all season, Bailey McBurney, is coming back to the River Dragons for the 2022-2023 season. And fan favorite, he's been a guest on the podcast, Jay Krupp is also coming back next season. Number 22, he is truly a fan favorite, and you might even catch him at some Columbus Chattahoots games. Oh, I when I'm at the Chattahoots game, I'm talking to former River Dragons players a lot. I talked to Alex Storjahan. I've talked to Jared Rutledge. I've talked to MJ Graham. It's always great seeing them at the Columbus Chattahoots. Of course, they are owned by Ignite Sports Entertainment. I've had the general manager, Scott Brand, on the show. The River Dragons schedule is out, and their first game is going to be October 21st. It's going to be here before you know it, folks. They're going to take on the Elmira Mammoth. Elmira is returning to the Federal Prospects Hockey League after taking a year off. They were the Elmira Enforcers, and now they're the Elmira Mammoth. The first home game is going to be November 11th 
against the defending Federal Prospects Commissioner's Cup champions, the Watertown Wolves. That's going to be a great time to see hockey. It's Veterans Day. Definitely will have a day off from work. And hopefully they make that that military night. I know that the military night is always a very special place for a professional team in Columbus because that's when we take the time to appreciate the military and it's the most attended event because MWR gives away all those tickets. All right, before I close my show, I just want to talk about some upcoming events that are happening. As many of you know, this is a local podcast to Columbus, Georgia and the Chattahoochee Valley. I try to cover the Fountain City, but also the Tri-City area to include Phoenix City, Opelika, Auburn, LaGrange. As this podcast is growing and I approach my 400th episode, I cannot wait. It's going to be a great episode as I'm going to have Angela Daniels Culliver on the show tomorrow. And then DJ Jones is going to be on the show Wednesday. Thursday and Friday's episode might be up in the air. I might not have an episode Thursday, uh, just depending on the guest list. But I'm hoping to get Gabe Riddles on Friday so we can recap that NBA draft. Of course, the Atlanta Hawks have the 16th overall pick. What are they going to do with John Collins? There's rumors that they want to trade him to get up, to move up in the draft. Rumors is they want to trade him to move up in the draft. But here in the Fountain City, we have got a big event led by Isaiah Crowell, the former Carver standout and Georgia Bulldogs running back, played in the NFL for the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. He has his football camp. It's the sixth annual Isaiah Crowell football camp, and it is free to the public. It is going to be Saturday morning from 8 to 12, June the 25th. You want to check it out. It's going to be a great, a great time. Also, a big shout-out to the Georgia Lady Venom. They are going to be in action this Sunday at the KBW Gymnasium in Columbus. Might want to check that out. And once again, I think I've had a pretty successful show. It's been great. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. That's all the time I have. Stay tuned for tomorrow as I will have Angela Daniels Culliver, the co-owner of the Georgia Venom and the Lady Vipers. She's going to be on the show to talk everything about this new league. This professional basketball association could be possibly the fifth sports franchise here in the Fountain City. We definitely want to talk up this league. It's starting to get very popular on YouTube as well. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, tomorrow is episode 400. And I can't wait. Hope that everybody has a great rest of your day. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.